0: We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time
1: time for Taiwan This Week. Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week with me, your guest host, Ross Darrell-Feingold. I'm joined in the studio this evening by Dimitri Burias from the Now Media China Post. Good evening, Dimitri. Hi, good evening. And on the phone by Donovan Smith, ICRT's Central Taiwan correspondent.
0: Uh, Good evening.
1: Tonight, we'll be discussing the latest in the possible return of murderer Chan Tongkai to Taiwan as the insults fly between politicians in Taiwan and between Taiwan and Hong Kong. A controversy over religious organizations providing course content to public schools, multinational brands withdrawing from sponsorship of the upcoming Golden Horse Film Awards, progress on U.S. weapons sales to Taiwan and Taiwan guava exports to the U.S., and objections to Chinese performing art groups coming to Taiwan. But we'll begin with Kuomintang presidential candidate and Gao mayor, although he's on leave, Hang Go-yu's accusation that President Tsai wen has fair skin and is slightly pumped. And in contrast, he cited the dark complexion and thin physiques of Kuomintang politicians to highlight how hard-working they are. President Tsai said that a person's ability is not related to their complexion or size. And Premier Su Jun Chang said it was inappropriate to comment on the physique of women. I guess he didn't think it's inappropriate to comment on the physique of men. Anyway, T- DPP's Tainan Mayor Huang Weijia pointed out that Hong Kong chief executive Carrie Lam is thin and dark, while Donald Trump is actually fair and plump, which would make her- him the same as what Hangul Yu was accusing Tsai Ing-wen of being. Why did Hangul Yu say this, Dimitri? Is this good politics what What was the point of accusing uh Talin of being fair and plump?
2: Well, we should say that the phrase is inappropriate at all, okay? We shouldn't we shouldn't call people that way. But my guess is that the Kenti candidate tried to emphasize the contradiction between the DPP today and 20 years ago when opposition leaders were part-time doctors, farmers and business people and part-time politicians, like in many countries around the world today, people have been wondering if leaders who often have no other professional experience other than working for the government understand the concerns of grassroots supporters. So in this case, we can speculate that he's trying to emphasize his connection with local people and draw the line with previous administrations.
1: Donovan, wasn't there also some kind of uh, attempted explanation by a Goemindang spokesperson, uh, something along the lines like, well, actually, this is based on some colloquial Taiwanese, not Mandarin, but Taiwanese dialect phrase uh, describing people?
0: I, I don't recall here. But uh, I, I, the, honestly, at this point, he's such a gaff machine, and there's so many rebuttals that you know I kind of gloss over them, um, unless they're particularly amusing. Um, I mean, in this case, Han, a lot of his rise, I think, was very much tied to his his ability to. I mean, he's a mainlander, but he he spent a lot of time in Yunlin County. And he learned to uh, uh, mimic Taiwanese style, you know the the, the majority's sort of style and mannerisms, sometimes to a point of being uh, almost uh, almost a caricature. Um, and it helped him in his rise, uh, you know, to to winning the mayorship last year. But I think a lot of people are sort of cottoned on to a lot of it's kind of fake now. Um, And this, I think, was one of his attempts at trying to regain that, you know, try and self-identify himself as a, you know, by being thin and dark, he's suggesting that he's a farmer, he's a laborer, he's a fisherman, uh, to try and, you know, build this image of him being uh, one of the people. Now, of course, that sort of ignores the fact that the vast majority of the people now uh, work in offices and uh, get plump. Um, you know, I think he was calling, you know, harking back to uh, images, you know, basically from the 70s. It's like he, you know, he sort of, you know, he was channeling imagery and, you know, vocabulary from the 70s. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that's what he was attempting to do.
1: Donovan, are you saying that he planned to say that? It didn't just come out of his mouth at, at a spur of the moment?
0: Oh, I'm sure it came out of his mouth at the
1: <laughs> but but, but dimitri interestingly uh although his poll numbers are frankly miserable he, he has a a large gap between him and and, and president's eye but it seems that some polls in recent days actually had the gap shrinking so it's still big but it may have gone from like 13 or 14 points depending on the poll now it looks like it's more like 10 or 11 again depending on the poll did this actually help him
2: well maybe he thinks that it's gonna help him but uh we'd still we'll have like three more months before the election. So it's too early based on the numbers we see right now to see the, tr- the trend over the, the, the long term. He has a gap. He has to fill that gap when, well, one of his strategies was to make bold comments like this this week. Well, we'll see if he th- tries again next week. So Donovan,
1: next week, it might be a different strategy from bold comments?
0: Well, I mean, I think at this point, he, I I think, I think what it boils down to is he's feeling the pressure. Um, you'll notice starting um, a few months back and it, w- it was really quite visible at the um, at a- at his launch rally um, is that his strategy his style has shifted dramatically uh, one of the one of the things that i that I thought was actually kind of impressive about his run uh, in, you know for the mayorship was his relentless positiveness when he won the Kaohsiung mayor um, he refused to attack Chen Mai, He kept calling on people's better natures. He kept calling for um, hope, and he talked about you know prosperity and how things would get better. And he refused to go negative. Um, I think that he's been you know relent- relentlessly hit by the press. Uh, and people either love him or hate him. So he's surrounded by people who think he's either the second coming or he's a monster. Um and he's treated that way by people constantly. And I think the pressure's getting to him. He started to go very negative. He started, he started, he's starting to openly swear. Um, he's finally decided to double down on the fact that he drinks uh, and, uh, you know, fools around. Um, so he's, he's shifted strategy. And I think he's, he's starting to become combative and lash out and so I think he's becoming even more unpredictable right now
1: I'm impressed that you uh, described it as as actually being a strategy did uh, Dimitri is this strategy going to work talking about uh, drinking and uh, doubling down
2: on the negativity well he has to keep on emph- emphasizing his close connection to the people. Well, he, we shouldn't call him a mainlander. He was born in Taiwan in Taipei County. He is 60 years old, so he's been here all his life. He's fluent in Taiwanese. He's very good at that, and there are many word plays you can do in Taiwanese. So, well, we can also say that he was, he's under constant pressure from the ruling party. The prime minister, the deputy premier, they're hitting at him every day. So I think he tried to hit back and maybe he just overplayed his game.
1: Speaking of overplaying his game, we'll we'll move on to a a topic that has been in the news constantly and does not go away, and that is the potential return of accused murderer Chen Tong Kai or Chen Tong Jian Mandarin from Hong Kong to Taiwan to face justice for murdering his girlfriend Poon Hui Wing. In recent days, Premier Su Jun Chang used the term demon to discuss lawyers who have been cooperating with uh, the reverend in Hong Kong who is representing Chan Kai in discussions uh, with the media or with government agencies about potentially returning to Taiwan. Now, Reverend Poon in Hong Kong is also a member of Chinese legislative bodies and has a close relationship with the government in Beijing as well as in Hong Kong. And this is why Premier Su may have accused the lawyers in Taiwan who are talking to them of, of being demons. And then after this became a controversy, Minister of the Interior, Shu Goyong, said that Premier Sue was referring to the judicial process, not to the lawyers involved. Why has this now become an issue of demons and and political accusations and insults going back and forth, Donovan? Uh,
0: Well, a fear. Um, There's a a lot of fear and confusion surrounding, you know, why um, Chan would be willing to come back. Uh, to, to Taiwan to face the trial. I mean, fundamentally, this comes down to, so here's a guy who allegedly, and I believe by his own confession, um, killed his girlfriend in Taiwan, fled back to, uh, and, you know, Hong Kong couple. He kills his girlfriend, dumps her, uh, kind of a vicious thing, uh, and he returns to Hong Kong. He's jailed for the credit card thing. Uh, for using her her credit cards so essentially money laundering i believe is what they called it um he's put in jail for i think it was 19 months meanwhile the government in hong kong tries to get this extradition bill using this as the pretext uh passed and then of course china the people in hong kong erupt because uh, sorry, and he had the people in Hong Kong erupt in in protest because this would mean that they could be extradited to China, and of course China has been kidnapping people across the border, uh, and this would just simply make it easy for the 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 heavily Beijing influenced government or controlled government in Hong Kong to just simply send people over the border whenever China requests it. So Taiwan sort of got embroiled in in this. So Chen uh the murderer our alleged murderer was released and he is now he was convinced by this uh Reverend Poon apparently to return to Taiwan he said I will go back to Taiwan to face trial
1: So so Donovan why 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 is, why is Premier Su calling people demons though it Seems like they're trying to solve the you know or at least solve the issue of Getting him, getting Chen back to Taiwan. Why call the lawyers or, and I'm a lawyer, so you know I take exception to be lawyers being called demons, even though we have a, you know, we're one of the most disliked professions on planet Earth. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but why you, why use these kinds of, and remember in our, in our first segment, we were talking about, uh, you know, politicians using words like, like uh, you know, to describe people, uh, personal attacks, uh, as Hangul, you did with regard to President Tsai. So, you know, Donovan, why, why is Premier Su calling people demons instead of just solving the issue?
0: I mean the the, the real uh, the question is I mean he we, what he's what I think he's alleging is uh, or what he's alleging is is or was that um, the problem is is and this is what I was getting to is Poon, uh, Reverend Poon uh, allegedly has ties to C V Chen who uh, was the very first head of the Straits uh, the 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 Straits Exchange Foundation which is the unofficial arm of the Mainland Affairs Council. Which conducts uh, which conducts d- diplomacy with China, um, and he is a close personal friend of Ma ying So apparently, the uh, the Poon has and Chen has met with Chan, who's the the, murderer, the the you know the murderer in question. He's met with Poon. These are all tied in with Ma Ying-jeo. Ma Yingjio apparently came out uh, last uh, Tuesday and was talking about. Um, you know he he felt very sad for the victim 's family, and Sue was kind of tying it all up into a nice bundle and making essentially making the allegation that this was a conspiracy on behalf of China. Now that may or may not be true. I have absolutely no idea uh, from here it 's very hard to tell, um, but there are some connections between poon and Chen and Chen and Ma and Chen and Chan and Poon and Chan. And, and so, you know, so basically he was lashing out at it. Now, the question, again, it all boils down to why is Chan willing to come back and potentially face the death penalty in Taiwan? And so a lot of people are assuming that this is for political reasons. And so I think there's a lot of fear going on in the DPP uh, administration that Chan coming back is a political trap being set for them by the the CCP using Hong Kong authorities and Chan as uh, as bait.
1: Dimitri, is this this all a political trap or should we just uh, find a way to make sure Chan faces justice here in Taiwan?
2: Well, we first, we should emphasize that the phrase was equally inappropriate about just what we said about Han Kuo-yu. What we could say, too, is that it shows that the premier is trapped in in his own beliefs about Taiwan diplomacy and the contradictions ahead of the presidential election. We were told for months that Taiwan doesn't need an extradition bill. Now, we know that suspects won't be transferred to Taiwan without such an agreement. Now given the tension between Taiwan and Hong Kong, it is very likely that the suspect is not in the murder case is not going to come back to Taipei anytime soon. So, well, he's an Hong Kong national and we are busy preparing for the election. The problem is that many Taiwanese nationals are arrested across Asia and transferred to Hong Kong and China. Because of the one China principle. So we can expect that the government will be increasingly struggling to get Taiwan national back in the future. Something that previous governments have managed to do, including under uh, the leadership of President ma Now, I think it's over the top now to blame CV Chen and blame ma for trying to solve this issue under the table through proper diplomatic channel. So, well, the government doesn't have an answer to our problem. So that's, I think, the biggest problem. And speaking of demons and things
1: of that nature, uh, in the news this week was several city councilors has raised concerns about an organization called the Rainbow Family Life Education Association, who deploys what are known as rainbow moms into public schools to teach students about things of a religious nature, even though it's called a character And life education course and hundreds of schools across Taiwan may have been impacted by these courses uh, that may be teaching children about a religion that their parents might not necessarily approve of the children being influenced this way, certainly in public. Schools, Dimitri, uh, I know you come from France, where separation of church and state is taken quite seriously. Uh, How how do you view this controversy here in Taiwan?
2: Well, this is not surprising at all. And the problem is that Christian organizations are not the only group trying to extend their reach in Taiwan schools. Buddhist organizations are even more powerful here and with students attending curricula from kindergarten to university in a very conservative environment. This may come as a shock to some foreigners, though, but we live in a modern society, right? Uh, but we shouldn't get fooled by the electric scooters, uh, the 7-Elevens and the annual gay pride. Taiwan remains very conservative with preconceived ideas about family work and sexuality. So there are no laws in Taiwan to prevent schools uh, to advocate and promote their vision to of the world. And that's very dangerous in Taiwan. Donovan,
1: are the rainbow moms on patrol in Taichung too? Uh,
0: yes, apparently. Um, <clears throat> yeah, they're, they're, I believe they are a na- nationwide thing. Um, it, it, I think Taiwan really needs to stop and think about what goes into the schools and what doesn't. Um, I, you know, it, overseas, there are, you know, the, the the concept, as you brought up, of, you know, a separation between uh, church and state. Um, there are usually clear lines, or traditionally at least, there were clear lines between what was acceptable and what was not acceptable to bring into schools. I, I don't think Taiwan has really thought that through very carefully. Um, no that makes some sense coming out of the martial law era, and of course there you know there were the protests uh the you know when the Ministry of Education was occupied a few years back during the mod administration over the history curriculum um so uh, you know it, it, it's a contentious issue um and schools i think are uh, you know being hard pressed for a variety of reasons they you know they they they, they perhaps saw these uh, rainbow moms is constructive and parents being involved and that's a good thing uh, but they definitely had an agenda that that's quite clear and so what they maybe they knew or maybe they didn't know but they were letting in people with an agenda to basically uh, you know to try and force that agenda on the children, so they need to. I think there needs to be some thought given on the part of the authorities here to what's acceptable to allow in the schools and what's
1: not. Dimitri, you mentioned uh, you know, advances in LGBT rights here in Taiwan, and of course, uh, marriage equality is is one that uh, the audience will be aware of. It got global media attention when it was finally passed into law earlier this year, and then there was the the parade recently, which was well attended, and a people were talking about the success of marriage equality, but uh, some of the other issues that still Remain unresolved. It seems very ironic that the name of this organization you know, includes the word "rainbow." And the, the, these teachers or, or these instructors who are going into schools are known as "rainbow moms." So, uh, why, why are we still struggling with these issues in, in Taiwan? Is it is, is it is it really the the case that Taiwan's as conservative as you indicated?
2: Well, I think so. It's uh, and it's also sometimes very hard to debate and to ask questions and and to have a decent conversation with some people in Taiwan. Um, Well, to debate, and it's a a training. Uh, You have to learn that, and you learn that at school. How do you interact with other people and respond properly in a proper manner? And sometimes we feel that, we can see that young people, they strongly believe in, in, in whatever, but they can't, they can't accept other people' IDs and and that extends to the government and what we see every day at the legislative UN, People arguing endlessly, but being unable to have a decent conversation on very important issues, like the school, the, the problem at the school. Donovan,
1: as you know, a lot of controversies in Taiwan get get resolved, and you were saying you know we got to think about how to maybe fix some of these shortcomings and in, and in, in how things are discussed in schools, they get resolved by introducing new regulations and laws that are kind of, I would say, overwritten, right, into some kind of laborious detail, even though it's written unclearly. Are we are we going to uh, conclude this controversy by new regulations and laws banning these kinds of groups from schools?
0: I, I, think, clair, I think clarity is important. Um, a lot of adding a whole load of regulations, I don't think really is the is the goal here. I think the goal would be a set of principles, uh, a sense of, you know, sort of guiding principles. Like, you know, separation of church and state is a fairly clearly understood principle. You don't have to sit down and write this long code legally going, you know, describing. Okay, well, if this kind of group comes in, or then you know, codifying it you know there's there's a generally it's widely understood now the courts have to clarify that on occasion but um you know so, so, so you know certain principles now the choice of the name rainbow moms it was obviously deliberate the um uh the, you know this comes out of the anti uh, marriage equality movement which was heavily coached by uh, overseas um Religious groups, mostly Christian, uh, who came in and and provided support, and they were backed by a lot of money, uh, most notably, I think, HTC's Cher Wong, uh, who funded a lot of the you know this support coming in from the outside, and so they they you know they they, they used the lang- they, you know they intentionally took the language uh, of their opposition to. Appear more friendly and less harmful. Uh, I think was the was the goal there. But uh, the, uh, fundamentally, yes, I, I think a set of, of principles on what's acceptable and what's not in terms of, of behavior and what allows in school, rather than a detailed laundry list of regulations, would make more sense.
1: Speaking of principles, one of our principles is to share some important commercial messages at this point. So we will take a short break. Welcome back now to Taiwan this week. And we'll continue uh, talking about content, but we'll move from schools to the content on the big screen. Yes, the Golden Horse Film Awards are upcoming November 23rd. And just like last year's ceremony ended in controversy, we already have controversy before it even begins with advertisers pulling out under pressure from China. In recent days, Maserati pulled out and All Saints, a fashion brand from the UK, also pulled out. And the, as companies, multinational companies, often do in these situations, they issue a statement saying how they support the one China principle or Chinese sovereignty and and basically say things to the effect of how much they love China and they would never do anything to offend the sensitivities of the Chinese people. Very similar to the situation that NBA was in a few weeks ago over Hong Kong. Clearly, this is all about, again, the principle of making money. Dimitri Maserati, did they do the right thing?
2: Well, they had no other options, but... I think this is another sad example of how sovereignty has become the benchmark in Taiwan society, ranging from trade to people, people-to-people relations, educational exchanges and diplomacy. This, the show used to be the most prestigious and respected film awards in the Chinese-speaking film industry. Now, don't expect, don't expect any uh, Hong Kong entertainers, uh, Singaporean entertainers or even Chinese to show up these years and get criticized by fellow entertainers in front of the media. Nobody should be asked to respond to negative comments about the PRC. They are not the spokespeople of the government, and using the whole event for political gain was a huge mistake. Donovan, should these companies uh, be uh, boycotted by consumers in Taiwan when they
1: pull out like this and issue statements saying how they support the one China principle and we'll never offend China, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera?
0: Sure, why not? Um, you did, know, you
1: sell, I, did you sell your Maserati, Donovan?
0: You know, it, it's been so hard. I'm, you know, looking at it lovingly, and uh, you know, um, <laughs> the, you know, the, the thing is, the number of people in Taiwan who who buy Maseratis, generally, they have business interests in China, so they probably agree anyway. Um, <clears throat> so, for me, the what I'm all kind of curious about in this case is, with both Maserati and All Saints, is, did, were they actually approached by anyone uh, from the Chinese side, or did they just simply decide on their own to self-censor? Um, and this is what's really quite alarming, is that a lot of companies and a lot of entities are just simply voluntarily uh, towing the, you know, the Chinese Communist Party line, uh, because they basically have no spine. Um, now this does create some opportunities for local businesses to step up and you know be sponsors and sort of save the day and show their you know their their loyalty to the country um you know but this you know this is going to keep going on it's going to you know it's happening with the n b a it's happening with all these different entities and they keep caving and what it, there is a kind of silver lining to this, though, is the whole NBA controversy, you know, created a backlash, uh, and more and more people now, I think worldwide, are starting to ask a lot of questions about Chinese influence. And so, this Maserati and All Saints, it's 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 on the world stage. It's a relatively small thing, but as Dimitri noted, you know, here in the sinosphere sphere, uh, it's a you know, it, the Golden Horse Awards is a big deal. Um, I'm not sure I just agree with uh, with Dimitri's comment here about politicizing the golden horse. People do have freedom of speech. And so last year, yes, yeah, some people came out and said some things which uh, offended uh, Chinese sensibilities because, you know, the Chinese sensibilities are extremely fragile. Um, so Maserati and All Saints are, you know, caving to that, and China decided to, you know, organize a boycott of this. So at the end of the day, again, you know, their Chinese companies will probably step in. Uh, you know, the PRC is is essentially hurting itself uh, overseas, but domestically, I don't think I, I think it's it, it actually bolsters them. They know that, and so this is all just going to continue.
1: Dimitri, should, should the organizers of the Golden Horse, which uh, includes not just the industry, but of course it includes the Taiwan government, which which helps sponsor the event, should they be telling uh, presenters or award? Uh, winners, no, no. Let's follow the Olympic model. Don't say anything uh, on, on uh, from the stage about po- politics or Taiwan status.
2: Well, the Taiwan government is the co-organizer of the event. So, well, as Donovan mentioned, in a democratic society, we shouldn't tell other people what they should say or not. But um, my question is, what is the the Golden Horse, the the festival itself? It's about cinema. It's not about Taiwan sovereignty, it's not about Taiwan independence. Last year, uh I if I remember correctly, one of the uh winner of a special award actually won a film about the film was about Taiwan independence. And that's when the whole controversy started. That's when the the statements were made. So, uh well, we hope the organizers uh ask everyone to maybe try everyone to we should calm down and sit and talk about these issues and focus again on cinema not politics and especially this year with because it's an election year
1: Donovan do you expect the golden horse then to be less political or more political because as, as Dimitri said it is getting close to the election
0: well the thing was, is I believe, if memory serves, that it was actually not about Taiwan independence. It was a demo- it was a uh, it was a documentary uh, that featured both a uh, student from China and I think Chen Weiting and some others, and it was all up into the run up into the Sunflower Movement and so it was it was about uh you know protest and uh you know standing up for rights and but it was a documentary and it, and it talked about you know contradictions and how people felt about things and and so it was uh, you know in art form I, from what I understand the thing itself wasn't uh advocating the, you know it wasn't advocating anything but it was following people who did advocate something so so you know if there's a focus on people who do political things in a documentary. Should we neuter that? Should we silence those people or refuse to give them awards? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that makes any sense at all. Uh, this was, you know, from what I, I haven't actually seen it, but from what I understand, it was, a, it was a thoughtful look at people who had gotten caught up in a, a big social movement, which is, I think, important to document.
1: And we'll move on from the battle of the, the screens and awards ceremonies to the battlefield. In recent days, Taiwan uh, government officials have said that the United States is preparing to uh, issue a letter of offer and acceptance with regard to the proposed purchase of M1A2 Abrams tanks, anti-tank missiles, Javelin missiles, and surface-to-air Stinger missiles for a deal worth over $2.2 billion. The legislative UN also approved a budget of about 8 billion US dollars to purchase the 66 F-16 fighter aircraft. So much progress on weapon sales from the US to Taiwan. But in the same week, the Taiwan government was also proudly sharing the news that the US and Taiwan reached agreement on an operational work plan to sell guavas from Taiwan to the United States. And a associate Director of the U.S. Department of Agriculture Research Service, was in Taiwan for a visit, which Taiwan media called a breakthrough as far as level of seniority of U.S. government officials. Donovan, do we seem to have a mismatch here between talking about guavas and and weapon sales?
0: (laughs) Well, they have to, you know, the... <laughs> and they're all sort of part of a, a broader picture of deepening ties. I, I think that's really what they're kind of, kind of trying to go for. Um, but Taiwanese are rightly proud of guavas here. They, you know, they're 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 pretty tasty, uh, and being able to export Taiwanese fruit, which is generally considered to be of high quality, uh, is a good thing. Um, tying that exactly to the tanks and the fighters and the missiles, I, I'm not sure I would I would quite have linked the two uh, so explicitly. Rather, you know, they're, they're both deepening ties. Taiwan also buys huge amounts of grain recently. There have been a lot of big deals on soybeans, uh, wheat, um, and uh, beef uh, out of, you know, a place like Wyoming. Um, which was stepping in in the, in the trade war between China and the U.S., Taiwan kind of stepped up its game on uh, agricultural pur- purchases to help sort of help the U.S. with the shortfall uh, of orders coming from China. So they're all kind of interconnected. Um, but I suspect that the guava thing, it, you know, went through. Dip, regular diplomatic channels, whereas the, the the tanks and the missiles, all the military kit, a lot of that is heavily influenced by uh, the the U.S. Congress uh, putting pressure on the administration uh, in concert with some pro-Taiwan people within the administration who, who want to see this go forward. So I think I, I think the the political apparatus that pushed forward the the tanks and the fighters and that which. Push the guavas on the other hand work it kind of went through different channels but overall you could i suppose link them in, in improving ties uh
1: dimitri are, are ties uh, are, are they in the, the place where they should be as far as are they being even i mean taiwan has a trade surplus but the, their reliance on the u.s you know as as illustrated by these news about uh weapon sales and budgets i mean the the defense and political reliance on the US now seems to be so much more important than even the business relationship or Taiwan's relationship with with other potential partners.
2: Well, we do understand the importance of feeling safe and there is no point but there is no point in entering in a in an arm race, a very expensive arm race with China. Uh, we produce indigenous missiles, indigenous firefighters. Uh, we have produce uh, our own military equipment at a very, very hefty price. Uh, I don't know if you remember 20 years ago when Taiwan successfully bought the Mirage 2000 for France. Everybody was so ecstatic about it. Well, uh, 20 years later, we need to buy new planes because planes don't last forever. Now, we're... Are going to spend another 250 billion anti-dollar military equipment. Well, a few minutes ago, you mentioned that schools let religious groups teach in public schools because they don't have any money. So why don't we allocate budgets to these schools and try to solve real problems that impact people's life today? Air pollution, population aging, brain drain. Well, uh, I love those fancy, fancy planes, helicopters. But who is going to fly these planes in 20 years from now because Taiwan people don't want to have kids? Well, if the United States want us to pay for these military equipment with guavas, poal pala, I would love it. But you have to pay that in US dollar and we cannot afford it. We cannot afford it.
0: No, that, that- Killed either. Uh, China is, is an existential threat. There's absolutely no way that we can't, uh, you know, ignore that. China is, has explicitly not ruled out the use of force against Taiwan, what? and Xi Jinping is upping his game, talking about, uh, you know, what he calls reunification. Um, if Taiwan doesn't prepare to defend itself then you know that is suicidal all the other issues that you brought up are absolutely correct however none of those things necessarily are going to lead to an invasion uh... the you know the the weapon sales. i mean there can be a lot of arguing over which weapon systems make sense which ones don't um, but fundamentally you know taiwan just can't simply not arm itself when, you know, China is going to, you know, is threatening an invasion. Um, And it's becoming more and more explicit and more and more threatening to, to do so. And to, you know, to make it worse, You know Taiwan can't win an arms race but what it can do is because the 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 number of beaches uh, that are accessible and the airspace and of course the channel itself is extremely turbulent the the time window and the physical uh, access points into Taiwan are very limited so Taiwan does not have to win an arms race all it has to do is have enough armaments strong enough armaments to hold off China and to annihilate them through these very narrow time and physical space windows, which China can, can feasibly try and invade Taiwan. So the weaponry needs to be bought. Again, we could argue about you know, whether these particular weapons are the right choices, but whether or not you know, fundamentally Taiwan needs to arm itself, I think it's without question.
2: Well, well, I understand your point, but what can 66 airplanes, uh, what, 60 helicopters can do against China? Well, we understand, and we are, I think we're all confident in Taiwan military to protect Taiwan. But at one point, uh, are we solving any issues right now? No. We see Uh, at least once a week we see those uh, stories on the media in major publications about can taiwan withstand an invasion from china can taiwan protect itself against china well the answer is yes but it's inappropriate in an election time like now to play the chinese drum again and again we understand the need to equip ourselves if we should buy the weapons we need but well, these are very expensive. This is very expensive equipment. And at one point, we have to ask ourselves, is it fair to borrow 250 billion and fifty dollar knowing that the future generation will have to pay to reimburse that? So uh, when are we going to stop? Well, I hope after the election. Speaking of Chinese drums,
1: uh, before we go, according to press reports this week, a touring uh, performance group sponsored by the this is a mouthful all china federation of returned overseas chinese which is part of the united work united front work department of the communist party has received visas to come to taiwan and perform but there was controversy over the leadership and one of the leaders of the group was not given a visa and this is consistent with what we've been talking about on this program, should we even be allowing Chinese artistic groups to come to Taiwan? Is there a risk or is there no risk? Are they going to brainwash the audience just like some people are afraid that those religious uh, rainbow moms might be brainwashing students? So uh, Donovan, to be consistent with the themes we've been talking about in this show, including the the Golden Horse Award controversy as well, should we even be letting these groups into Taiwan to perform?
0: Um, I, I think a distinction needs to be made between things that are for children and things that are for adults. Um, if I, you know an adult organization inv- inv- and they're pro, you know, pro-China or pro-unification, and they want to invite these groups over for their own uh, gratification, and they're adults, that's one thing. Um, a lot of the student exchanges and a lot of the a lot of what the United Front is targeting, though, is children, youth. Um, And that's an entirely different thing, I think. Once somebody is old enough to make up, you know, and educated enough to make up their own mind, I I think that they should be able to decide whether or not they want to see or participate in or uh, be exposed to these things. So I I think banning them for adults would be counterproductive. Um, But I don't think that, uh, again, they should be allowed into schools, They, you know, that they... Um, because they have a very clear and explicit agenda that they want to um that they want to convey to to the children, and there's a lot of this going on. there's school exchanges of various types um the the list of examples of this is, is you know we could go on for hours but uh but, but generally speaking, they do target children and so the question is who and what uh is a you know what is what is being targeted from the united front side uh, and on the other hand, who is inviting them or accepting them in on this side and I think that that need, th- those two two factors need to be considered
1: Did, Dimitri should there be uh, more more worry or or is this a sufficient amount of worry about these united front uh, artistic groups and, and also uh, it was in the news this week that china's discounting trips for young Taiwanese to visit China as part of, uh, you know, nominally to, to look at business or work opportunities, that goes to the brain drain issue you talked about. Uh, should, is the government right about being more concerned and, and making it more difficult for these kinds of interactions to occur?
2: Well, I think it's it's worrisome because we're backpedaling to the future this is Taiwan from the 1950s and 1960s. You don't talk to the to the 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 communists, the, the the you know the communist culprit. I mean, come on! This is just one group. There are millions of people traveling across the strait every day. Millions of Taiwanese go to China. Millions come to Taiwan, and we are afraid of just one group. We are a democratic country. We shouldn't be afraid of people thinking or saying things we don't like. We just, well, let's introduce the rainbow moms to them and they can have a nice conversation. But come on, we, we should move forward and we should find solutions to real problems and not keep on creating new problems and then sc- and just scaring people. Well, would you sell your kids to your show like that? I would send my kids. It's just a show. Then you tell the kids, well, it's different. It's different in another country. That's it. And the kids are smarter. They 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 can understand that. What is worrisome is adults cannot, and we're just stuck with this old, you know. Uh, all thinking about, uh, you know, um, the Cold War thinking about being afraid of the communist China. And while, Man,
1: we, while, while
2: we look forward to the performance, or may
1: not look forward to the performance of the All-China Federation of Returned Overseas Chinese, we'll put an end to this performance of Taiwan this week. And I've been joined in the studio by Dimitri Buras from the now media China Post. Good night, Dimitri. Good night, everyone. And on the phone by Donovan Smith, the ICRT Central Taiwan correspondent. Good night, Donovan.
0: And have a great weekend,
1: everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week here on ICRT with me, guest host Ross Darrell-Feingold. And don't forget to check out Taiwan This Week podcasts on iTunes and Android podcast apps where you can get access to all of our previous shows.
0: Tune in again next Friday evening at 9 for another informative look at the tough stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT. CRT FM 100.